You took it out, but you can put it back in. You took a swig and then you take a crack. You're running quick, but you're running off the track. One case to break the fall. One way to take us all to the shore. Can't say it's what you're barking for. It's forever at the push of a button.
Affair with Edge of the Edge along the Sonic Boom. Saxophonist Spyro Sanders before that, his quartet last at the edge of the world. This is the edge of my show. Come back Monday at 10 a.m. where I'm here every Monday from 10 until noon. You've been listening to Wednesday Afternoon Music. Dan O'Connell, your host from the forest, is next. Do stay tuned to WYOX Radio.
WIOX is supported by you and the following underwriters. Chappie's Good Food on Main Street in Roxbury for lunch, dinner, and cocktails. And Chappie's sister restaurant, the Old Mill Steakhouse, just around the corner on Bridge Street. Chappie's open every day. The Old Mill Steakhouse, open on weekends. 607-326-7020 or chappiesgoodfood.com. Sounds Good Music House, the record shop on Main Street in Andes for new and used vinyl, including new releases and rare titles across all genres, as well as turntables, mid-century furniture, and original artwork. Sounds Good Music House buys used records, too. Open weekends and any time the doors open. More information at 845-676-6233, or soundsgoodcatskills.com. Watershed, Roxbury's coffee shop and market on Main Street in historic Roxbury. Open from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Sunday through Wednesday with extended market hours until 6 p.m. Thursday through Saturday. Coffee, breakfast, and lunch in the cafe and in the market prepared meals to go in basics like dairy, produce, dry goods, beer, and cider. Watershed, Main Street at Roxbury, watershedroxbury.com, and on Instagram at watershedroxbury. Franklin Stage Company, a professional admission-free theater founded on the principle that great plays should be accessible to everyone. Presenting Good People, a comedic empowerment play about trying to make the American dream come true. Apollo Seco Dance, performing contemporary flamenco. Julian Fleischer, singing original tunes and classics from the great American songbook. And Tolliver and Wakeman, a play about two colorful local characters during the Civil War. Performance dates and reservations at franklinstagecompany.org. This is Dan O'Connell, host of Monday Morning Music on WIOX Roxbury. As a WIOX spokesperson, I also manage underwriting for the station, and I'm here to let you know that underwriting on WIOX is a great way to support the station and inform the community about your business or service. If you'd like to become an underwriter, contact me for details at 607-326-3900 or WIOX at WIOXradio.org.
Okay, you are listening to WIOX Community Radio, live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM and MTC. Cable Channel 20, 107.5 FM on the campus of SUNY Delhi and everywhere at WIOXradio.org on computers or smartphones. This is From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m. Talk about a different forest-related topic with Ryan and Zane. Zane, how's it going? Good, good. How are you doing? I'm okay. We're getting some rain, feeding them trees, some water. Yeah, That's good. much needed rain for sure. Yeah. It's been nice. What have you been up to? Well, this weekend I was a carpenter's apprentice. So, Carpenter's uh, apprentice? Yeah, I was helping my landlord uh, rebuild a, a hole in the barn that's on the property. So this barn kind of dates from the early 1900s, I think. And uh, has this uh, had this big hole in it that kind of eroded over time. So we were fixing the, the beams on it. Um, and uh, put new kind of boards on the roof, and uh, it was pretty interesting. Up and down on a ladder, um, so yeah. The board, the barn has got all these like hand-hewn uh, hemlock beams with some uh, ash here and there. No kidding. So that's cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Man. So so now it's getting tested with all this rain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh. I, on, the, on my days off, I just I burned a huge pile for my um, for another person over in Gardner, and uh, just tried not to burn his house down and the surrounding woods because it was you know it's dry. Yeah. I had to have the hose pretty close by, and uh, got pretty damn hot. I tell you what, I don't know those guys who fight fires, man. They must have to drink a lot of water because I went through three quarts and I was still dehydrated. Yeah. How's your grass looking? Kind of brown? Browned out? It's all right. I didn't cut the grass um, when it was really dry, so I don't think mine suffered as much, you know? Hmm. But, um, yeah, this water is good. I've been watering my trees, so I won't have to do that for the next few days because it looks like we're going to get some rain. Um, It's sorely needed. It looks like trees are starting to refoliate. That's ash, red oak, American beech, sycamore. Got really hurt by frost. That frost we had a few weeks ago where it got mm-hmm. down to 27 degrees, plus or minus, depending on where you were, really set trees back. It's not sudden oak death. It's not oak wilt. A lot of people were thinking that was what was going on. But it was it was just the leaves were emerging at the wrong time, and those tender leaves are very susceptible to low temperatures, and boom, they got hit. So ash was the worst. Yeah, we're still getting calls at the office about that. That's an easy one, you know. That's something we've seen everywhere, so we have an answer ready for people. Yeah. Sometimes the way they describe things, you're never really sure, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So we've been getting reports and direct observations with uh, tent caterpillars. So that's what tonight's show is, is tent caterpillars. We did this show three years ago, and I think it's time again because we are getting some gypsy moth down in the uh, southern part of our region near the Rondout Valley. I've been noticing it, Hudson um, Rondout Valley. Parts probably the Hudson Valley too. And um, and I'm pretty sure we're due for forest tent caterpillar. Hmm. So we're going to talk about three different caterpillars and uh, we might, might, look, might talk about some lookalikes as well. But there's the forest tent caterpillar, there's the eastern tent caterpillar, and there's the gypsy moth. So, I don't know. I still call it gypsy moth, by the way. Yeah. I'm not getting into the spongy moth uh, 
That these are common names. And never have I seen anyone argue about common names like red maple versus soft maple, sugar maple versus hard maple. They're all regionally based. Mm. So, um, and that's why we come up with Latin. Latin names is actually I could see actually debating because that that scientifically means something. It's either in or it's out, as right. a taxonomist would say. Right. Exactly. So, uh, damage to trees. All of these caterpillars, which are in, what, the Lepidoptera family, Zane? Yeah, the butterfly family. Yeah. yeah. Right. Caterpillars become, what, moths and butterflies. Beautiful right? butterflies. But before that, they, they're squishy little defoliators. Yeah, larvae. My first, you know, let me back up. My first uh, memory of caterpillars is as a little kid. So this is in the mid to late 80s in the town of New Paltz. And in the 80s, gypsy moth was really bad. Hmm. It was really bad. Oak trees are is their preferred host. And we had a lot of oak trees in New Paltz. And I just remember playing with them. And they're, they're crawling all up and down this red oak tree. And I just remember picking them off and feeding them to black ants. Yeah. I did this for hours. <laughs> this is what you did when you didn't have anything. I don't know. There's nothing else to do. Just sitting there on the ground, and you'd, you'd feed them, and these ants would, like, tear the caterpillar apart and bring it into its home. I thought that was the neatest thing I ever saw. Yeah, <laughs> nature taking its course. Yeah. Yeah, I remember feeding, like, I don't know, crickets or katydids to kind of the wolf spiders in my basement. You know? Yeah. But, you yeah. know. That's what you do. Things have to eat. You're, you're watching biology in action, you know. It's no yeah. different than kind of feeding crickets to your lizard or, you know, frozen mice to your snake. I don't know. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not. You know, and this is what uh, kids do, I, I guess. But um, so Gypsy Moth, that was pretty bad in the 80s. It's, it's, got, it's not as bad as it used to be. But all three of these eat the leaves in the spring. The springtime eating of leaves is the worst. Because the tree is coming out of dormancy and it's flushing a lot of carbohydrates into growing those leaves. Um, defoliators in the fall, like fall webworm, which we'll talk about maybe later if we have time, it's not as bad. Mm. The tree's done most of its photosynthesizing. But the eastern ten caterpillar, the forest ten caterpillar, the gypsy moth that defoliate trees this time of year, it does stress the tree out. All right. Um, so they eat the young, young tender leaves in the springtime. Uh, they stick mainly to deciduous trees, completely strip them. Most trees, though, they can take this defoliation for two to three years. When we had forest tank caterpillar damage about back in 2004, 5, 6, 7, depending on where you were in the Catskills, sugar maple that was most devastated by this defoliation, which lasted about three years, were located on ridgetops. Right. Because on ridgetops, sugar maple doesn't do as well. What's missing on a ridgetop? That is... Deep yeah. soil, water. Yeah. Calci There's less calcium uh, yeah. as well. And black cherry actually can outcompete sugar maple on top of ridges. It doesn't care about the calcium as much. So, yeah... Um, these these tops of mountains you still see it to this day on certain uh, when you when you visit some of these forests of uh, worm killed maple as some hmm. people call it worm or the larvae right yeah these are native you know 
right? So these course, are outbreaks yeah. that happen naturally that just uh, crop up and yeah. uh, kind of crash after that. But it might take, like you said, a period of two or three years, really. Yeah. The gypsy moth, we'll get to it, is a non-native, but um, it, it does attack conifers as well. Uh, so that, that can be uh, something unusual. I don't even know which conifers it attacks, I'm very say. Is it is it white pine? I would say probably white pine um, or other kind of hard pines, things like a scotch pine or uh, red pine. Mm. Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, I'm, I'm so fixated on the deciduous trees uh, when it's occurring that I don't, I don't look as much. But I guess you only see that really when those populations get to such a density that they kind of overwhelm. They kind of eat all of those broadleaf trees and they move on to those evergreens. Yeah. So they have their preferred host. So it's only after all those uh, sugar maples or oaks, say, have been uh, defoliated, they start moving on to other trees nearby that, that are less preferred. Right, so let's get into the forest tent caterpillar specifically, do a little comparison here. The forest tent caterpillar is probably the worst um, of our defoliators in our area, meaning the central Catskills, because we have so much sugar maple here. Hmm. This is the heart of sugar maple, not only in the state of New York, but in the world. Uh, Delaware County has the most probably sugar maple out of anywhere, as hmm. far as I know. So... When Forest Caterpillar comes to town, you will hear nothing but raining from right. the defecation of these uh, caterpillars as they feast on sugar maple leaves. I remember when I was a forest ranger, seasonal forest ranger, in the Slide Mountain Wilderness area, so that's Ulster County. It was so bad that you saw mullen coming up in the forest understory. Well, <laughs> yeah, I think you told now, me that once. That's mullen crazy. goes in parking lots. So it needs lots of light, is my point. Yeah, mullen is that big kind of weed you see on kind of waste places. Creates a huge uh, kind of flower stalk at the top. Kind of looks like a corn cob when it's all in bloom. It was pretty crazy, yeah. So uh, um, their eggs are dark, compact, cylindrical masses with squared ends. Um, they should be glossy, and that indicates that they're new ones. You'll see these in the wintertime. So how do you know if you're going to have an infestation next year? You look for these little cylindrical, glossy things along twigs, right? Kind of looks like a jelly bean wrapped around a twig somewhere. Yeah. Um, there can be 350 per egg mass. So if you kill one, you know, you just kill 350 future ones. So nice. you got to look in the fall to winter to see if we're going to have um, an infestation of these guys. The larvae are dark with light blue lines, downsides, and lines, and a line of footprints, these white footprints. That's what you see on the back, white footprints. That's what sticks out to me anyway. Hmm. I, well, I always notice that yeah. blue line oh, going yeah? down the back. That always jumps out to me. Yeah. I think I saw one yesterday on a walk up uh, Markerville Mountain Road, a forest and caterpillar. <laughs> yeah, I was down in... Um Sullivan County, Roscoe, and there's a member there who just planted a bunch of uh, fruit trees next to a pond. Plums, peaches, some apples there. He already had established apple trees there that we had pruned. But on one of the branches, there was a, uh, a tent. And, um, yeah, there was a caterpillar just hanging out on a leaf right next to it. And it was a fully, um, fully grown larva. Hmm. And it had that nice blue stripe on it. The tree didn't look too bad, though. 
Oh. That one twig was, was defoliated, but it wasn't bad. Yeah, we get about a big um, bumper crop of these forest and caterpillars about every, what, 10 to 15 years. So we're due. 2005, 6, 7 was the last time. Yeah, we're we're overdue. <laughs> so we're, we're looking at getting another one here soon. They, what confuses people about forest tent caterpillars is that they don't really make tents. Mm. You know, they're a lot more like silken mats along the trunk or main branches, but they don't make tents like the. Well, Gypsy Moth doesn't really either. No. <laughs> um, Eastern tent does. Eastern tent caterpillar. We'll talk about that later. But yeah, right? I don't know. Not like yeah, it's like webbing. I don't know. Yeah, I guess it's a tent. I don't know. Yeah, but it's not noticeable. You wouldn't, no mm. you know, a lot of people wouldn't notice it. I don't really notice it usually, unless I'm really looking for it. The trees it attacks are sugar maple, aspen, cherry, oak, birch, ash, alder, elm, basswood, willow. Uh, it doesn't feed on red maple, apparently, sycamore, or conifers, but sugar maple is its go-to. So, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., Tonight's topic is tank caterpillars.
It's uh, Saved by Zero by The Fix. I don't know if they had any more hits, but uh, this is from The Forest. Every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., talk about a different forest-related topic. And tonight's topic is 10 caterpillars. Uh, we were just talking about the forest tent caterpillar, which were due for a big infestation here shortly in the Catskills, I would imagine. But up next is the uh, eastern tent caterpillar, another native. Um, this guy actually builds tents. How about that? Noticeable tents. Its eggs are also dark, compact, cylindrical little masses, but they have tapered ends, not squared ends, hmm. on the egg masses, encircling the branch. And uh, the new masses are shiny, just like the forest tent caterpillar, and the old ones are dull, meaning they're either dead or they're not active. Okay? So, the larvae are dark with white lines down the back with light blue and black spots on the sides, and also two inches long. So, that's the eastern tent caterpillar. Now, eastern tent caterpillar is in the crotches of mainly fruit trees. Hmm. So, your apple. I already killed a few. I went out there and noticed a bunch of eastern tent caterpillars. About, when I'm mowing my lawn is when I inspect my trees. Yeah. You know? And then realize, oh, crap, i got to get the sprayer out. And there's a product called um, BT, Bacillus thuringiensis. It's a, what is it, a microbe? Yeah, it's a little bacteria, I think. Like bacterial. Yeah. And it, it only kills insects of the Lepidoptera which become butterflies and moths, right, and nothing else. So you spray it right on these, and uh, they're usually dead a week later. Do you spray the nest, or do you have to, like, break it open? I just spray the nest and, and the foliage, blast too. Blast it right, right in I there. I spray the whole yeah. tree, yeah, because, yeah. you know, you're going to miss some. And they ingest it, and uh, that's it. But um, Do you ever burn the nest? Do, do not do burn that? the nest. That was something uh, that used to be done. I, I wouldn't do that. No, mm. you know, you know, you burn the tree. If if there's only one or two nests, I'll just pick it out by hand, and I won't spray. Oh yeah, you know. how many did you have? Um, once I started noticing like more than two or three, I was like, "That's it, I'm getting the sprayer out." Because yeah. I just have a little backpack sprayer, you know, a little solo. Good. I like the solos, man. They're for for how much they are. Yeah, they really work well. You really? know, hundred bucks. They're tough. They really Tough are. Tanks. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, BT or um, the commercial Thuricide, you get Tractor Supply or, you know, any place like that. And uh, you get a concentrate. You follow the label. And it's like, you know, you're talking about, I don't know, three or four teaspoons per gallon. Hmm. About two teaspoons per gallon. That's it. You so know? When did you spray? Uh, a couple of weeks ago at least. Yeah, maybe more. You want to spray them while they're the smaller, the better. Yeah, you know. But we'll talk about that. The uh, let's see here. The leaves, yeah. The, the, if they're outside, if they're if it's in the fall, it's not eastern tent caterpillar. But we'll talk yeah. about that later on. Um, the the eastern tent caterpillar, they leave the tent mm. and go feed, and the tent's in the crotch of the tree. If they're disgusting and they stay in their tent and feed while in the tent, that's the fall webworm, which is also in the fall. So, they're gross, man. Yeah. You know? You can't, you can't poop where you eat. I know. I mean, yeah. seriously, what the hell? So, uh, what, what else we got here? 
Huh? Oh, yeah. The adult moths, we didn't really talk about the moths, what they look like. You know, they, they're all kind of reddish brown, brown, you know, indistinct. Right? right? Yeah, I, I kind of. They just kind of look like that. any other thing that, you know, flies up to your screen door when you leave the porch light on. There's right. Nothing really jumps out at you. No, not at all. Not at all. So what do they feed on? Cherry, like I said, fruit trees before. Cherry, apple, crab apple, fruit trees, ash, birch, maple, oak, poplar, and sometimes pecan, hawthorn, beech, and willow. I don't really notice that they really strip trees that much. Hmm. Um, it's hmm. fruit trees where I will spray because they're my fruit trees. Okay, I'm not taking a chance with them defoliating these trees that I've invested so much ridiculous amounts of time to get so little from right so, <laughs> so yeah. all right but yeah so do you ever look for the egg masses like the year before or early in the season you ever see them um i haven't noticed in the last couple of years that's why i was kind of shocked to see them huh. but i do spray dormant oil as well so you wonder how many of them get killed or or uh desiccated by that yeah. by that uh treatment but no, I, I haven't noticed them, to be honest. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I mean, the beneficials help, too. You know, other insects, like we're explaining ants, you know, they're climbing fruit trees for all sorts of reasons. Yeah. They might go after the larvae when they're smaller. Um, That's why BT's kind of good, because it doesn't kill the beneficials, you yeah. know. It's targeted. Yeah. Um, you know, there's always trade-offs a little bit. And now we come to uh, come to gypsy moth. This is a non-native. It was introduced in 1869 in 19 states. What do they do it for? The silk, in, silk industry or something? I don't know. What was yeah, I think it was uh, brought in by a guy, and he wanted to um, try and start or uh, kind of revive the, the silk industry, I believe, in the Massachusetts? East Yeah, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Um, I think it was an interesting case where they the guy, um, after they kind of escaped his his uh property he warned people you know that there's this caterpillar and it could be a big deal and it was you know maybe several years after that that they had a huge defoliation event yeah. but he did warn them but uh yeah it was an accident you know i mean people you know people make mistakes this was a bad one it really set oak trees quite yeah. a bit back uh there's pictures from the 1800s showing guys climbing up in these trees um very uh, with like no safety gear, just climbing up these big oak trees and and individually taking off the cat gypsy moths. Have you seen those? No, that's crazy. It's pretty neat. Uh, what do you think they had to pay those guys? I don't know. What do they have like scrapers? They just scraped them off. And... I can't tell what they have. Oh you could just tell. You could just see them picking using something. You know. God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean this whole big oak tree that this picture is showing them. You know, kind of scooting around this big yard oak you know and like you know more than 10 guys or something quite a few it's pretty neat and it was all for nothing you know i mean i don't think anybody does that today but no there's other ways to treat them i, I actually treated a, an oak tree this year for oh. gypsy moth first you know i don't treat too many of them so that's a stem injection that was a trunk injection yep yep stem trunk injection and it systemically goes throughout the tree I gave him the good stuff, so uh, it, it should work. If not for this year, then uh, for next year. Hmm. So we'll see. But um, the gypsy moth, the eggs, they're buff-colored or 
light light um light fuzzy patches on the tree trunk so they're not cylindrical little things on the twigs they're these buff fuzzy patches along the tree trunks these aren't pretty noticeable actually yeah yeah I see these all over once you know what you're looking for you see them everywhere yeah You'll see them on tree trunks, firewood, branches, sheltered areas, lawn furniture. And there can be up to 600 to 700 little guys in there per egg mass. So mm. if you kill one, you can feel good about it. Yeah. Scrape it off. Yeah. Yeah, if you scrape it off, just put it in like a soapy bucket of water, you know, something like that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, I just scrape them out of the ground. Oh, yeah. Well, you never know. Hopefully they die. I guess you kind of got to yeah, mash it up a bit Yeah, with a knife, scrape it off in pieces and chunks. Yep. Yeah, because they're so small then. And if they're insulated in there, they might not die. So the larvae, uh, five pairs of raised blue spots followed by six pairs of red spots, two inches long. Pretty pretty easy to recognize once you see them. Yeah, they're not as, they don't, to me, they don't seem as plump as the... Eastern tent caterpillar, and I think they they got more whiskers oh, yeah. on their ends, from what yeah. I've seen. Yeah, I was out in Dutchess County at a member's property, and he had them all over. They were just starting to defoliate, and uh, we walked in his woods. He had a lot of uh, oaks there. He had a sugar maple stand, and yeah, it was raining in the middle of the day. This was uh, last uh, Friday. Yeah. Yeah. So they're just starting. I was in Stone Ridge, and I was prepared to treat. This beautiful large red oak, old tree, full crown though. And I, t I said, you know, she says it was worse last year than it was this year. I said, let's not treat then. Let's not mm -hmm. inject this tree. It's going to be fine. This tree is a healthy tree. can take this, any kind of defoliation. And uh, I thought, you know, why, 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 why inject it when we don't need to? Right. So, Yeah, a lot of these were larger white oaks around the property. But I wonder what you know what happens with the with the soil and all of that, you know, uh, excretions. That waste is coming down into the soil. That's all going to rapidly break down as the tree kind of kind of take advantage of that again. Is it going to reclaim that, even though it lost the growing season? You know, maybe it didn't put as much wood on. Hmm. It it didn't lose as much nutrients. You know, it's not like those nutrients are leaving right uh, the site where the tree is. And it's within the drip line. Yeah. Right? Of Theoretically. The I mean, it's got to be pretty much. So, yeah, even with sugar know. maples, a lot of that calcium is probably returned right back to the tree. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought about that. Uh -huh. I, would, I would think so. Yeah. So that's one good thing. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, let's see here. The larvae, uh, we already talked about what they look like. The behavior, the young larvae leave holes in the leaves. The older ones chew from the outside in. I didn't know that. Uh, when the populations are low, they feed at night, and when they're high, you'll start noticing them, as you were just saying, it raining yeah. during the day. You definitely heard it. Yeah. The adult moths, I don't even know what they look like. The females do not fly, apparently, and are white with brown markings, and the males are brownish, like every other moth, yeah. pretty much. A little brown moth. Yeah, I don't know. Um, trees, what do they eat? Well, like we said before, the oaks are preferred, but they also eat apple, sweet gum. We don't really have those at all up here. Speckled alder, eh, in wet areas, right? Mm. Basswood, gray, white birch, poplar, which could be a variety of trees, really. 
Willow. It avoids ash, thank God. Yellow poplar it eats. There's a few in the uh, escarpment area of the Catskill Mountains. Sycamore. Eh, sycamore. I don't think you could kill sycamore if you wanted to. That tree's so healthy in, in most places. Black walnut, catalpa, locust. Yeah, locust could be set back by it. It has problems from not enough light. American holly. Forget about it. We don't have many of those. Nope. Mountain laurel, good grief. If you could kill some mountain laurel, I, I would, you know, and then burn it. That would be great. Uh, rhododendron, arborvitae, arborvitae, if they're not getting eaten by deer. Right. You know, that's like. The caterpillar would get the top half of the tree. <laughs> yeah. The deer get the lower half. Man, we could save a lot of people so much money by going to their property sometimes and just um, giving advice about what to plant. Spacing-wise, uh, deer. Some people spend hundreds and thousands of dollars of on shrubbery and just feeding the deer. Well, the green giants, right? The classic hedgerow species, the arborvitae. Yeah. Still, you know, deer candy. Still deer candy, man. Balsam fir, I see that sometimes planted. Oh. Older ones will eat the conifers, like even hemlock, spruce, pine. Jeez, this guy's a hungry guy. But when it's dense, they will feed on almost anything. So we don't get as many gypsy moth just because we don't have as much oak in the mm-hmm. higher elevations of the Catskills. Yeah, I've never seen them uh, feed on those evergreens before. I'd like to see that. Yeah. That's got to be pretty shocking. And that's even worse for those trees. You know, yeah. they can't grow their leaves back in one season. Right. Hemlock's a little sproutier than other yeah. conifers. Yeah, you ever notice on power lines when they're kind of pruned back? Yeah. They'll re-sprout. Yeah, know? right. But, uh, yeah, not other not other conifers. So, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to From the Forest every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., and tonight's topic is tent caterpillars. We've been talking about the forest tent caterpillar, the eastern tent caterpillar, and the good old gypsy moth. And uh, up next, we'll talk about lookalikes as well. I'm up on the tie wire. One side's ice and one is fire. It's a circus game with you and me. I'm up on the tie rope. One side's hate and one is hope But the top hat on my head is all you see And the wire seems to be the only place for me A comedy of errors and I'm falling Like a rubber neck giraffe You look into my past Well, baby See, I'm up in the spotlight. Oh, does it feel right? Well, the altitude seems to get to me. I'm up on a tight wire, flanked by life and the funeral pyre. Putting on a show for you to see.
blind to see I'm up in the spotlight Oh, does it feel right? Well, the altitude really gets to me I'm up on a tight white Flanked by life and the funeral pipe And this is from The Forest. Every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., talk about a different forest-related topic. Tonight's topic is tent caterpillars. Um, we want to discuss tent caterpillars since you know, there's a little bit of gypsy moth going on down the line. Forest tent caterpillars are knocking on our door, I'm sure. Eastern tent caterpillars is out and about this year on fruit trees. Lookalikes. Um, fall webworm. Very similar to the eastern tent caterpillar. As you might imagine, it's in the fall. Which isn't nearly as bad as a tree getting attached in the spring because it doesn't have to refoliate. It's already done its photosynthesis. So, you know, you could leave it there and it wouldn't be great for the tree, but um, it's not as bad. That's all I'm saying. These guys can be differentiated from Eastern Tent Caterpillar because they feed inside the tent. They do not leave it. Um, so, kind of easier to treat in that way, too, because if you just spray the tent with Thuricide or BT... You'll, you'll kill them. So only harmful if other defoliation occurred in the spring by other caterpillars. So if you got eastern tank caterpillar in the spring followed by fall webworm, well, that's not good. Back to back. Yeah. yeah. So the other lookalike, and this really trips people up, are sawflies. Because you, you go out there and sawflies can be bad on fruit mm-hmm. trees, especially pears. I get them on my pears. And they're disgusting. Then you go out there, and it's just totally defoliated by these sawflies. And it happens fast, I feel. And uh, you think, well, it's a caterpillar. I'll go get the third side. You go spray them. Didn't do anything. No? Yeah, because third side only kills things that become moths or butterflies. Lepidoptera. They are not such. Zane, what are they? They're in the Hymenoptera. Order so it includes things like bees and wasps, uh, yeah. So I remember I used to do sprays for these for larch sawfly. Oh. So larch larches are big trees, so you had to get like the big hydraulic, call it the rifle, hook it up to the tank and you spray it up there. And uh, yeah, larch are interesting because they're they're in the pine family, but they they're deciduous, so they drop their leaves and they have this little kind of uh, epicormic water sprout that sprouts new needles and the large sawfly will just eat those all the way down to the to the bud you know and defoliate him how so, cool how fun was it using the the rifle it was pretty fun it you, your your arms hurt for a while you know you're holding it up and you're just trying to get good coverage on the leaf how far up can you spray 
probably about 50, 60 feet. Sweet. So it wouldn't get full coverage, but you're, you're not getting, you know, you just want to control it. You want it uh, to at least attack it when it's most vulnerable part of its life cycle, when it's just like in the uh, uh, gypsy moth, when it's just starting to, to come out. May, June? Smaller. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, we have to schedule those. And as a spray, we had, do, had to do all the way down and I think, around like uh, Skinny Atlas. So we had to drive all the way down there from Syracuse just to do this one spray. So it's the first thing you did that day and hmm. sometimes the only thing. So uh, do you remember what the active ingredient was in that? I, I forget. Yeah. It was definitely insecticide. Yeah. So. And it worked. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, um, I've never sprayed uh, sawflies. Oh, well, that's not true. I must have sprayed those with something. I don't remember now. I don't remember. Maybe yeah. malathion or something. I don't know. Yeah, they're nasty. I mean, they'll. Yeah. They are the gross. Um, sawflies are greasy looking and slug like, short, stubby looking legs on every segment of their abdomen. And caterpillars have hair on their feet, so that's the way you can differentiate them. But different control methods. You can't con- you can't control them like Lepidoptera or caterpillars because they're not caterpillars. A lot of people don't realize that that there's these things that become, you know, caterpillar-like looking things. Sawflies that become ants, bees, and wasps. You know, hmm. yeah, yeah. Not all wasps have stingers, right? I mean, right? Yeah. There's a lot of. Uh, I think there's more variety of kind of host-specific uh, kind of. Singular wasps that don't have hives. So, yeah. yeah, people always ask me about those. You know, I talk about like natural beneficials, things like uh, parasitoid wasps, but they don't sting. They're very small, they almost look like flies. Yeah, if you mention parasitoid wasps, like the ones that attack emerald ash borer that are being released by the Forest Service, that hopefully someday can serve as a biological control, people get scared because they're like, oh crap, you know, something's <laughs> going to sting me, you know. But no, it's not like that. Um, so, that's a good thing. But no, oh, they have like pinheads, basically sawflies that have like a little pinhead usually in the like their head. Yeah, of, of the larvae. I think so. Usually uh, of the larvae. Yeah. Oh, 